Hello and welcome everybody to yet another episode of Nerds Talk Movies. I'm your host today, Tristan Benz, joined by my exoskeletonized compatriot, Drew Garrison. Drew, how you doing today? Feeling kind of symbiotic, you know what I mean? I I think I I think I got an idea what you mean, Drew. I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. And I think I have an idea why you're ta- talking about feeling a little symbiotic today, because that's right, everybody. You read the title. You know the deal. We're talking about Blue Beetle. That's right. The year's most anticipated film that's crushing at the box office. Blue Beetle. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. That was all sarcasm. It's not doing as well as it should, which is unfortunate because it's a good movie. Spoiler alert. People should go see it. But... We'll get into that a little bit later. First, let me break you off a little synopsis of Blue Beetle, courtesy of IMDb. An alien scarab chooses college graduate Jaime Reyes to be its symbiotic host, bestowing the teenager with a suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary and unpredictable powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes a superhero known as Blue Beetle. Now, right off the jump, this synopsis is wrong, uh, because he's not a teenager, he's 22 years old. And they say he's a college graduate in this this uh, synopsis. So, what, you think that he graduated college early? Is that what they're saying here? So what I think happened is that originally he was supposed to be a teenager like he is in the comics. And then they were like, yeah, let's age him up a bit more. Make him a full-on adult. Because putting a teenager in the situation he's in is a little graphic. Even with how they water down a lot of this. So... I mean, either way, that shouldn't affect the IMDb synopsis. When the movie comes out, they should update it properly. But, I digress. Also provided by IMDb is some of the main cast and, you know, crew, you know, the director, the writer. So, let's get into that. So, this is directed by Angel Manuel Soto, written by Gareth Dunnett Alcocer. And the cast includes Shola Maradueña as Jaime Reyes, a.k.a. The Blue Beetle. Bruca, uh, sorry, I can't speak. Bruna Marquezini as Jenny Cord. Becky G as Kaji Da. Shout out to Becky G. She was the yellow Power Ranger in uh, the failed Power Rangers reboot. Another movie that was solid that didn't do as well at the box office. Got Damien Alcazar as Alberto Reyes. George Lopez. Bro, shout out to George Lopez. I know. It was like, so when I saw them in the commercials, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. It- I tell you what, every t- if, if if they'd had him, he, he, spoiler, because this is a spoiler talk, when he first appears in the movie, he's rolling up in a truck. If they'd had Lowrider playing on that truck, oh my god, I would have lost my mind. would have lost my mind with that plan. But I digress. Adriana Barraza as Nana Reyes, Belisa Escobedo as Milagro Reyes, uh, Elpidia Carrillo as Rocio Reyes, and Susan Sarandon <laughs> as Victoria Cord. Uh, I was going to say it. She's kind of the weakest part of the movie for me, but yeah, I digress. I digress. We'll get it into that a little bit later. Lastly, movies and TV shows are driven by more than just the directors, writers, and cast. There are hundreds of people who are working hard on each project. Sometimes thousands, if it's a big movie. Mm-hmm. Know, if, it's, if it's real big. So, for each movie or show that we cover, we like to spotlight either a certain group of the crew or a specific crewmate, depending on what we think is this movie or show's best trait. Cast cast members that aren't included in our main cast section are also eligible for this part, too. So, Drew, who are you shouting out as your special special crew shout-out for this movie? So, this one was a little weird for me, but I think if I had to shout-out, I have to shout-out... The uh the um fight choreographer because whoever did this whoever did the fight choreography was having a lot of fun. They were having a lot of fun. They were taking advantage of Sholo's uh um Cobra Kai skills. <laughs> Definitely, and it's just it's just so like I don't think there's a fight scene that's actually boring in this one. It's like everyone has a little something that shows off how um how the Blue Beetle Scarab and his powers are used how. Uh, other characters can use their powers. It's pretty interesting. So I am trying to look through the cast list for the name of these choreo- for the uh, fight choreographer. But who do you shout out, Tristan? Well, while you're looking up the name of the fight choreographer, I'd like to shout out the composer, Bobby Krillick. Because I tell you what, if there's one thing I love in a in a score, I like some good synth wave. All right, and this movie 
has a decent amount of synth wave in it that just had me going, mm, that's nasty. I'm into it. I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of this score. I mean, it really fits with the whole neon aesthetic of the movie. And I mean, I also big fan of neon. So it was just, uh, I, I had a, I had a blast watching and, and listening to this movie. And a big part of that was Bobby Krillick's score. Even just the, the main theme. It's really, really solid stuff. You still looking for that choreographer? Yeah, I'm looking straight through it, but either they don't have it listed as choreographer or they just have it as stunts. So I'm just going to I'm just going to count like I'm just going to say stunts for now because I can't find uh like the choreographer or the stunt uh or the uh stunt uh what is the name? Stunt, stunt coordinator, director. stunt director? Yeah. Stunt coordinator. Yeah. I think like stunt coordinator is like a different thing from the stunt director, but it, it I don't know because a lot of times they change that in the credits, so uh okay. I think I found it. Uh, so there are multiple, but there's Michelle Andra Adams, who is just stunts. It just says stunts. I don't know if she... Shout out to Michelle. Yeah. And... Big ups to Michelle. Yeah. Then there is the stunt coordinator, who is Wayne Daglish. Big ups to Wayne. Shout out to Wayne. Yeah. And uh, there's another stunt off... There's another stunt uh, coordinator, Justin Dobias. Shout out to Justin. Big ups to Justin. Big ups to all these fine, really big ups to the entire cast and crew of this movie. It's, it's a really enjoyable time. Yeah, and especially since, like, apparently this was more supposed to be, like, something of a four TV, well, now four streaming movie, and they were able to, like, up the ante with when they got, um, they had to go to the big screen. It's like, I'm liking what they did, because you can tell it was four TV, but at the same time, you can feel like this can evolve. It's good shit. It's good shit, and I look forward to seeing more in the future, assuming that we get more in the future, because people aren't seeing it enough. <sighs> Anywho, let's get more into the meat of the show. So, they announced the Blue Beetle movie in 2019, I believe? Uh, I think I so. It was. It, was pre, it was pre-pandemic, it was pre-Panini, and as you mentioned, it was originally announced as an HBO Max movie. And then there was a lot of shuffling, there was a lot of rejiggering, and they're like, you know what, Batgirl, cancelled. Blue Beetle, getting a theatrical release. And I tell you what, sorry Batgirl got cancelled, glad Blue Beetle got a theatrical release, and it, it has finally come out after, I don't know, getting all these all the uncertainties surrounding the future of DC movies and what was the DCU and what's going to be the DCU. It's nice for something to come out this year that you know, hasn't been a little bit of a disappointment. And I say that as someone who enjoyed The Flash and Shazam Fury of the Gods, but this was like, oh, okay, this is nice. Like, this is, I mean, I expected it to be a, a, a fun, fine time, but I it had a lot more heart than I was anticipating. And it, it's, it was a nice little, little palate cleanser before we go into Aquaman 2, which I'm sure I will enjoy, but I'm sure the internet will tear apart, and then, you know, it'll probably get delayed, and it'll be confusing as to whether or not that's going to be in the DCU. Honestly, I just like how all this stuff is like, oh, this could be in the DCU, and it's like, that's going to that's gonna confuse audiences, and already the DCU is facing the scrutiny of, hey, this is just the DCEU, but they're just shuffling stuff around. I really think that they should have full rebooted and, like, they could have reorganized Blue Beetle to be the start of the DCU, which they still could, but... As far as I'm concerned, this is, like, there's... We'll get more into it later, but they reference Superman and The Flash and Bruce Wayne in the vaguest of terms that, like, those could just be applying to the new version of those characters. Like, they don't show any images of the DCU version of those characters. They don't reference specific events. From the DC, which is like, oh, I can fly like Superman. Yeah, although that makes me question because Superman is supposed to be new, right? Like he's not supposed. No, they never said that he was. I mean, it's he's still going to be like you know towards the more towards the beginning of his career, but it's not like we're not seeing a Superman origin. He's already been Superman for a minute, and clearly he's already going to be at least somewhat established if he's interacting with you know Guy Gardner and Hawkgirl and Mister Terrific. True that. True that. But. We'll get into all that, I guess, later in the show when we're pontificating on where this could go. First, I want to talk about where it's been, where we've been with Blue Beetle by talking about some comic connections. So, Drew, I know you're a big Blue Beetle guy. 
Why don't you break us off some Beetle facts, some Beetleborg? <laughs> okay, so quick little quick little note. Uh, originally, the only Blue Beetle I knew was the. Well, technically, he's the second Blue Beetle, so not the original Blue Beetle. So I'd say original. <laughs> big but Dan I, Garrett fan over here, everybody. Drew Garrison. Big. He he loves the similar initials. Yeah, but uh. But uh, Ted Cord was the Blue Beetle that I knew because he was on Justice League International and did not know Jaime Reyes all that well. So when Batman Brave and the Bold, which was where I first truly got to know Jaime, I mean, he was an infinite crisis, but he was kind of like there and then gone. Uh, but that was my first true foray into Jaime Reyes. And I became a huge fan of the character and read uh, his 2000... I think it's 11 run? No, no, no. That's the new 52. 2006, I believe. Yeah, 2006. Around the same time as Infinite Crisis. Yeah, his 2006 run, which was originally supposed to be like a six-issue limited series, and then it continued because of its popularity. And that is basically what the movie is based off of the most. You can take a little bit from the 2011 Blue Beetle. Uh, Don't read it. It's really bad. I'll go ahead and say, just real quick, dip into my comic connections, because we're about to talk about the OG series. I My first introduction to Jaime Reyes was reading him in Infinite Crisis when I first, because I've you know, told the story a few times now about how I got the Infinite Crisis graphic novel like right when it came out as one of my first comics. So I was like, oh, this is the Blue Beetle. Like, I'd seen Ted Kord in the encyclopedias and whatnot. But it was like, okay, well, he's dead now, this new Blue Beetle. He seems cool, I like his suit. And, you know, I I obviously watched, like, every DC thing, so he would pop up a lot, and he would appear, appear occasionally in comics, but I was never following his solo series. He was always just someone who was around that I liked well enough. Like, I liked him enough to have an action figure of him as a kid, but I wasn't, like, collecting all the single issues of his solo run. Um, so earlier this year, I was like, you know what, leading up to Blue Beetle, let me go on my Blue Beetle agenda. So I read all the original series. I made the horrible, horrible mistake of reading the New 52 series. And then I read a few issues of Rebirth and I was just burned out so badly from the New 52 series that I just, I was like, all right, I need enough Jaime. I've got enough Jaime for now. I'll, I'll just wait for the movie. Uh, but yeah, the New 52 series, jumping back onto what you said, absolutely dog shit. Yeah, like just just I don't I don't like to be too negative about comics. You know, I, I like to I do a bit where I talk shit about movies, but, you know, people work hard on these, whatever. And comics are hard to make, so I don't want to disparage the creators too much. But it was really it was not good. Um, but the point being, though, this movie does pull heavily from the original 2006 series is what you were getting at. Yes. Except we don't we don't yet know all the stuff about Kajida like we learned in that series, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't go straight into it because that feels like a for a lot of Blue Beetle uh, extended media and everything when he's portrayed on the silver and uh, gold screens, it's like gotta go. They gotta go into like oh Kajida and his history. I'm not gonna say in case that is like the next uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Like if it's so just, like, they just get into all the we've mentioned the reach before we haven't been specific but like it's immediately jumping into the reach so it was just interesting that they didn't mention that at all yeah uh, in, in this yeah and even though this is technically a, this, like not even technically this is a comic book origin and everything it, I'm glad it doesn't feel that way if you kind of understand what I'm saying Tristan I get I get what you mean yeah what you mean well we can dive more into that let's just go ahead and any any last comic connections you can think of uh in general I would say what like while watching this it was very clear to me that the team behind this movie is legitimately a fan of the Blue Beetle comics like there was a bunch of just little references where I was like oh that's cool like that's that's cute I'm glad they're shouting that out like what's going on here like oh wow Omax are the bad guys that's fun like oh look we've got a comic accurate Ted Cord and Dan Garrett suit like we've got the bug like he's fighting Carapax who's a Ted Cord villain but still like, it was just in general it's like oh okay it, it it felt real to the world of of DC even just with the buildings in the skyline of Palmyra City like there's a LexCorp building there's a, mm-hmm. a branch of the Daily Planet there was an Ace Chemicals like it was just like oh okay this is this is cool fun fact I did not know Ace Chemicals was in Panera City in uh, the comics and I thought I thought Ace Chemicals because was... Palmyra City wasn't a thing until the new graduation day comic. 
yeah. for his new ongoing series now. They made it up for uh for the movie. Which I think ended up being for the best. Yeah. But it's like I just did not I just did not know because I thought Ace Chemicals was strictly Gotham because I remember like in one Batman comic, Bruce mentioned that Ace Chemicals is own is exclusive to Gotham. So seeing it branch out, it's like it's cool. Hope no more jokers show up. I was about to say, I don't know how cool it is. They might need to make sure they might. We might need someone to come in and close that place down because we can't have that branched out in in too many cities. That's that's too much of a risk. Point taken. Uh, but yeah, so let's just get into our general thoughts of the movie. Drew, how did you feel about Blue Beetle? I love it. However, after hearing one of my friends discuss it, I can understand why some people aren't going to see it. I do wish though that people go fun. That's the answer. <laughs> I do. I do wish though that people go and just take a look at this because this is a very fun movie. Like, I think like you would. I think like you would love. Uh, a lot of people would love Blue Beetle, and it's. A, I think it's also a good entry point for kids as well. Yeah, like it's a good, like heartfelt movie in a way that I you know wasn't expecting as much. I mean, in the trailers. You know, you they've got that line Carapac says like 75 times about that love you feel for your family. It's what makes you weak. And you're like, okay, so family is going to be a big part of this. And family is like a major part of this movie. And Pretty much the main focus. Yeah, and pretty much all of it is great. Like all the characters in the family are, are really heartfelt. The, only, the one who's like probably the least developed is the mom. And even she has a couple standout moments where you're like, wow, like this is a really like powerful scene like this is this is good stuff um yeah no i i agree this is a really is a good movie like a, one of the common criticisms i'm seeing of it is a the one i see the most is the third act uh which that always seems to be a complaint with comic book movies um because you know it's we tend to get mirror matches where well now we have to fight the villain with a similar power which we as soon as they set up oh max the baiting we're like all right well that's that's what this is going to be but let's see how well they build the world up uh before that yeah. and admittedly, admittedly other, when i heard omac was going to be in the movie i did think it was going to be less of a mirror match just because of how diff a bit different omac is in the comics like technically he's thematically very similar to blue beetle because of you know the reach stuff but yeah. uh but it's like his powers are pretty different from blue beetle so i was honestly excited to see where that went and then to find out that he was a clone i was like oh it's mirror match it's like i can understand that yeah which i didn't even i didn't know omac was going to be in the movie until they have the little opening montage in the credits like the omac project i'm like oh okay so was ted cord is already dead is that what we're doing like uh which i thought that was a fun way to tie in jaime's first appearance with the wider dcu in the comics being infinite crisis and him going up against brother Iron the omax thought that was nice to have the omac project be uh his first set of big bads um that being said the other criticism i've seen so far of this movie and even with this criticism for the most part people have still been widely positive um but they're saying how it's not necessarily generic, but it's just a lot of things that you've seen in superhero movies before, which is fair. I mean, that I, that you can levy that criticism against most superhero origin stories, I would say. But also, there is a certain formula to a superhero origin, and it's that way in the comics, it's that way. I mean, it's just that way in whatever form of media superheroes in. Like, if you're going to introduce them, you should... If you're going to introduce the origin story, the origin story is going to hit a specific set of beats, you know, yeah. which I think is going back to the future of the DCU. One of the interesting things that we're going to be getting from now on is it doesn't seem like it's going to be as many origins. It's just you're jump, jumping into this world and this character exists. That's part of why I think the Batman was so successful is because we didn't get yet another. Oh, we're watching his parents die. Oh, he's going to train. Oh, now he's Batman, you know, slow, um, slow-mo pearls falling down. Bats you lifting you up. Pearls. Bats lifting you up right. into the sky. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's come on. Come on. It was a good scene. It was a good montage up until the bats flew in the sky, but I digress. Um, that being said, despite these criticisms against Blue Beetle, I think its heartfelt nature and just the passion that this movie brings, not just for the comics, but just for, and this is something that I've seen a lot of people talk about who are Latino, the, the love for Latino culture. Um, 
it's something that's really prevalent in this movie. And even if you're not Latino, like I'm not, um, Drew, I assume you're not, I don't know. I don't know your story. I'm, I don't pry cause you know, I stay in, stay in my lane, but <laughs> it's still, there's still very relatable family themes and there's just a sense of joy and love in this movie that it's, it's clear that the people who worked on this, like, they knew that they were trying to make something special. And I think for the most part, it it really worked for me. Yeah. Also, I do got to say, like, the, the, um, the Reyes family, they do feel like a family who has lived together, who gets on each other's nerves, but also are always there for each other. I especially love the connection with his sister. Initially, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, she's not going to be the ball of adorableness she is in the comics. And then, like, I, as I get to know her, it's like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm liking her. She's fun. Which, on the relationship with the sister, I wonder how much of them choosing to age Jaime up to college age, or post-college age, was also so that they could age up his sister, so he could have someone more his age to play off of. Because in the comic series, he's, what, 15 when he gets the Scarab? Yeah, 15 or 16. And she's, yeah, 15 or 16, and she's like 9 or 10. Yeah something like that, maybe 11. So aging him up to being 22, therefore aging her up to being like, you know, 16, 17, 18, whatever. It's like, oh, okay, this, this, you can buy this dynamic a bit more. They have a good back and forth. It's like, okay, like, you know, th- clearly he's the big brother, but it's, you know, they're, they're more equals now than it was in the, in the comic where it's like, this was his baby sister who he was just really protective of and whatnot, which I, yeah. I really liked, um, their, their dynamic. Yeah. Although I'm going to be sad if Guy Gardner ever does meet the Reyes family, he's not going to like be very protective of her. Like he is in the comics. That was one of my favorite interactions in the Blue Beetle comics. Yeah, but. If Guy Gardner ever interacts with this sister, she'll probably give him shit, which will be hilarious. Because it's always <laughs> funny to watch people try and put Guy Gardner in his place. Because it never really works out. Even when he gets his shit rocked, that man just refuses to be humbled. And, you know, you gotta respect Except by him. Batman. You gotta love it. Except by Batman. Except for that one punch. Um, but- <laughs> it reverberated through universes. If Batman and Guy Gardner are in a thing together, it's like they have... The punch has to happen, apparently. He's gotta, he's gotta get punched. If Nathan Fillion Green Lantern ever comes into contact with the DCU Batman, I will be shocked if there's not a punch. But talking about the dynamic between Jaime and uh, his younger sister, in general, who you feel like were some of your standout performances for this movie? For me, Jaime himself, it's like... I did not know. Like, I, I like technically I did because Cobra Kai is awesome and everything, but that's mm-hmm. the only thing... I think I've seen him in, but I did not know that, uh, I don't want to pronounce his name wrong, but I think it's Zolo. Sholo. 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 Okay, yeah. I did not know that Sholo was that good of an actor. It's like, oh my god, I can't even see your other performances. I'm just seeing Jaime. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was fantastic. And I've never watched, uh, Cobra Kai, much to Taylor's chagrin, uh, who's probably going to be editing this and is... Just going to be shaking his head thinking, damn, how many times do I need to tell Tristan to watch Cobra Kai so that I can push my um, William Zapka as Booster Gold fancast on him? <laughs> Even though Glenn Powell would be the spirit choice, or Ryan Gosling, you know, after, especially after watching the Barb movie, Ryan Gosling would be good as Booster Gold. But anywho, this was my first real exposure to Sholo, and yeah, he was fantastic. It's always funny to say that the person who's the star of the movie is the standout. Because, you know, it's kind of how it should be. It's like this top billing. Like, they need to be bringing, bringing everything they got. But he, he really crushed it. And I really look forward to seeing more of uh, his Jaime in the DC. Really, like, the entire family were the standouts for me. Like, yeah. from the, everyone had a great, like, heartfelt moment with Jaime. Like, his conversations with his dad were great. That final motivating speech from his mom was great. Everything with his grandmother was either hilarious or heartfelt. Obviously, we've talked about his sister. Shout out to George Lopez, his Uncle Rudy, who's just... I mean, it's George Lopez. Like, he's... We got peak George here. Yeah. We got peak, peak Lopez. Uh, he's in a rare form. And I really... In, I really enjoyed even his heartfelt stuff uh, in this in, in this movie. It's like, damn, yeah. this, this, is, this is a good good moment. Also, uh, the character of Jenny Cord, played by Bruna... I forgot her last name. What is it? Uh, Mar- 
Marquezen? Oh, uh, Marquezini. Marquezini. Uh, that's right, because I, I was watching a interview with her before this to make sure I didn't get her name wrong. But she was fantastic. I mean, I know she's a big star in Brazil, and this is one of her, one of, if not her first big uh, role in, you know, an American production, but she was fantastic. And I really enjoyed the chemistry between um, her and Shola. Like, you know, normally you watch a, a superhero movie and it's like over the course of like a weekend and these people just magically fall in love or whatever and you're just like okay sure i buy it for the plot but with these two it's like okay like i buy it like they're they've they've trauma bonded a little bit like there's some there's a clearly an attraction there like from the beginning like it felt it felt natural and and organic in a way that i feel like a lot of superhero movie romances normally feel kind of obligatory these days yeah, and I and it's like she is a bit she is a bit interesting as a um, character who technically didn't exist before. So mm-hmm. it's like when they said like, "Oh, Ted Cord, we're gonna have uh, Ted Cord's daughter in this." I was like, "Oh, that's I never knew he had." It's like I kept, went back wondering if I missed that he had a kid at one point. But it was like it's, I was honestly wondering, "Is like, oh, is she gonna be like the new like Ted Cord Blue Beetle? Is she gonna be like mm-hmm. Jaime's partner?" And it's, it's honestly, I like the fact that she, technically she never takes up a hero role. Instead, she's just, oh, I'm trying to like make my company better, and I'm not gonna take on a superhero. I'm not gonna take on a superhero role. Instead, I'm gonna be like the person who's trying to make the community better with what I can do. And I like that about her. It's really awesome. Yeah. She's still like a character with agency, even if she's not running around like you know and doing action scenes which you know she does get involved in the final act uh, as does the entire family but yeah you know it's not like she's swinging around in her dad's old costume or anything um really like i mentioned the whole cast is good but i i gotta be honest if we're if we're talking weak links in the cast like first of all max trio as carapax he's solid he's just a solid bad guy he's there you know, to be imposing and menacing, and he does that well, and he has some good bits of humanity towards the end. But and here's the, the thing. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Susan Sarandon, good actress. We all know Susan Sarandon, good actress. She's been acting up a storm for decades now. But good Lord <laughs> Almighty, she was just here for the paycheck in this one. I gotta be honest. I can't tell if she was having fun. I can't tell if she really knew what kind of movie she was in and no disrespect to Susan Sarandon. I mean, she is a good actress. Like I'm not taking anything away from her. I just don't know how much she gave a shit about this. Cause there was some line that was like, are you, are you in the same movie as everyone else? Why are you hamming it up this way? Like this is an interesting choice, Susan. Well, I think, well, for me, it's like, I think honestly just the character just doesn't fit. Like I get like her being necessary to keep a to like um keep a consistent antagonist and everything but mm-hmm. for me i think it might have been better if she was just written out because like like you said um gosh how do you pronounce his name uh carabax yeah yeah Car- yeah carabax but i was going for his actor um but yeah oh, uh max truillo raul max truillo is his name uh, Raul, like, he's killing it so much as Karabax and everything, and being just this villain who's... Even though his character, we will say, is, like, the generic, like, I'm there to be the physical threat bad guy. Yeah. He, who, and, the, and has some sentimentality. Yeah, but I think that's all, that's all you really need, because it's not like, uh, it's not like, um, Victoria is giving, is giving anything that feels like, oh, like she's gonna be like some nuanced bad guy everything it's like no she's just generic billionaire evil yeah she lady. is generic and i you know you're right i i'm not gonna put it all on susan sarandon the a lot of the way she was written it's just like okay so she's just the bad guy great but it was it was just not it was not serving yeah uh, and it's like the small moments where you think like oh there might be some new there might be some extra nuances added to victoria and everything especially since like oh she like is threatening jenny one moment but then she's like getting her out of the collapsing Uh lab in another it's like oh so she still does care about her then they take it all away by having her wave a gun at her and want to kill her and Mm. it's like and i don't want to i know we've talked a lot before about 
you know, just sometimes like not every bad guy needs to be, you know, this deeply nuanced thing or whatever. And we've talked about like some characters like, all right, cool motive, still murder, you know, and it's not necessarily necessary. We don't always, sometimes it's good to have just like this, just straight up. This is just the bad guy. Yeah. Like sometimes you want that, but when that is the case, I, you know, you generally want the, the actor playing just the bad guy to be hammed up and have fun. Yeah, have fun and just kind of do a better job. <laughs> yeah. Just act visibly care more than it seemed like Susan Sarandon did. Yeah, uh, or li- or like just don't tease that there's nuance to these people because yeah. there was there's like, multiple really times where it's, like, it's yeah there was multiple times where it's just like teased because like when uh, Victoria takes the necklace and says I'm gonna hold on to it and it's like she it seems like she care she um, cares that he cares about that necklace. And I originally thought, oh, wait, like, because I didn't know their ages. It's like, is she, is he like her, her, like, like lover or something? And then it's like. Yeah, that's, well, real quick with that amulet scene or whatever, when the necklace, I didn't interpret it as her, like, caring. I thought it was more like her trying to pretend that she cares just the whole time to be, like, manipulative. Like, oh, don't worry, I've got this. But just, yeah, let's talk about ages. I was so confused because Carapax looks about, I don't know, 55, maybe 60. I'm going to be honest. He looks like an older gentleman. He's in great shape. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, Raul Max Rio is in tremendous shape. Looks like he could break me over his knee like a fucking bundle of sticks. But (laughs) he looks old. He looks he looks like an older guy. And Susan Sarandon looks like Susan Sarandon, just with a different hairstyle than normal. Susan Sarandon is an older woman. She's like in her what 70s she does not look at though google susan sarandon's age while i'm while i'm vamping here okay so seeing at most seeing the two of them next to each other i thought you know right at the beginning of the movie when it's clear they're working together thought there was maybe an age difference of like what 15 years maybe if that and not that it's visible, but just because I know Susan Sarandon's older. Like, if you you just put the two of them together without anyone having predetermined knowledge of their ages, you would just assume they're peers. Because Susan Sarandon looks great, and that guy looks what I assume his age is, which is, like, in his 50s. And then you get this flashback where dude's a child, can't be more than 11 years old, and I th- feel like even that's pushing it. Yeah. And you've got just a, a quote-unquote younger Susan Sarandon. It's really just Susan Sarandon, except they let her have her regular hair color. And she's taking him away to, like, put him in a school? Like, train him? So this happened theoretically 40 years ago, and Susan Sarandon still looked... Like this, but then how old was Ted? The ages of the cords in this is just confusing to me. Because then how old is Ted Cord? How much older is she than Ted? I assume she's the older sister. If, you know, because I think the director said he wanted, like, Jason Sudeikis to be Ted. So clearly she's, you know, Jason Sudeikis' older sister. But it's, like, how much older? Like, she old enough to be his mom? It's just confusing. How old is Susan Sarandon? Did he get a, did he get to the bottom of that? Uh, 76. 76 wow she looks great for 76 i know it's like i i keep i keep like saying it's like she does not look her age wow she looks terrific i would have thought like because i knew she was somewhere in the 70s but i didn't think it was that i thought it was like 71 maybe i don't know like i didn't give it much but wow 76 shout out to susan sarandon for for holding it down at the age of 76 you love to see it um not holding it down with this performance though I'm sorry to say. You hate to see that. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's great in Speed Racer, and that's all that matters. Um, any other standouts with the cast you want to you wanna name drop? Like, we named up the entire... We named up the entire family. I think we kind of name dropped just the entire cast. Cause I mean, really, the movie is just the family, the Reyes family, and then the two chords. Yeah. And then you got Carapax. Also, well, shout out to Guy from uh, What We Do in the Shadows, who plays the assistant scientist. Oh, yeah. Matt is like, he stole his scene. Yeah, he stole his scene, and he has this great moment where he's like, he's getting Jaime out the door. He's like, go, run. I'll hold them off. And then Jaime just watches him die, and it's like, alright, well... he And then they bust down the door. He's like, alright, so really, he just... He, he only bought Jaime, like, two extra seconds. Well, yeah, that's because Jaime... I mean, not that Jaime he should have let Jaime run. Yeah, no, Jaime should have ran. Jaime's, Jaime made that man's sacrifice less valuable, but, you know, he's still he's still a 
a, a child. Um, well, no, he's 22. He's not that much of a child. Yeah. Also, real quick, before we get into the visuals and the, and the score, one thing I want to call out that I just thought was really funny, and everyone remember, this is a spoiler talk, so spoilers for how the movie ends, if, if you, you know, don't want to hear it. I don't know why you're listening to this. But at the end, when... First of all, I like the final fight. I know people complain about the third act, but I thought it was a pretty solid third act all things considered like yeah Yeah. it was nice for once to see the superhero get battle damaged and have like oh the messed up mask it reminded me of toby where spider-man one you know love seeing that love a good battle that is apparently one of the influences names so and that that definitely tracks um so that's a that's a good moment but he has that moment where he almost kills carapax and he doesn't which is great Great moment, real impactful with Kachida, you know, what she what she says, which she's like, we're we're not killers, which, you know, if you read <laughs> Blue Beetle comics, you know a little bit of Kachida, that's funny. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right Kachi, you want to, okay, yeah, Jaime's not, but all right, um, go off clean. I, I'm not um, sure about you. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what your history has been, but just in that intro, we saw you blow up a planet, so whatever. Um in the little cinematic at the the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, but you get that moment where you get all the flashbacks with Carapax and it's like, Oh no, he was a person. He has, he has a moment where he turns and he, and they let each other go. They're like, all right. Yeah. Cause the place is about to blow. So it's like, all right, we don't, we're our beef is squashed. Like go be with your family, whatever. And then Carapax goes over to Susan Sarandon, who I don't care if her name's Victoria court. I'm just calling her Susan Sarandon. It's, <laughs> it's funnier to me. And then he just drags her into the fire (laughs) as Jaime watches. And I'm like, okay, bro. Like, yes, Susan Sarandon's character responsible for your death of your father. Yes. She's a terrible human being. And she really is just a mustache twirling cartoon villain and just very little redeeming things about her. But you just decided not to murder Carapax, which good, you know, good for you. Good moment for you. But you're going to watch him murder a, uh, even though she's evil, a defenseless older woman. Like he didn't even, it, here's the thing. Had he just been like, wait, no, or stop or something. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, he just couldn't get there fast enough. He stood there and watched mouth agape. I think that he can't fully do anything because the suit is too damaged. It hasn't fully repaired yet. Yes, but I'm saying he didn't even like try and run towards him like he was gonna stop. Yeah, he didn't, there was no. Yeah, no, I'm there agreeing was no with hint you. So that I, the suit was too damaged. Like that's, I, I get that. That's how you're explaining it because that's how it is. But they don't make that clear in the movie. It's just he's standing there watching. In fact, he runs with Jenny to the ship. They run to the ship because Carabax is like, get out of here. He gets her to the ship and he turns around and he's like, wait, hold on, I gotta do something or whatever. Like, he's like, just Doesn't go, I'll do be right anything. back. So then he just runs right back to where they were standing and then stands there and watches the murder. Like, he doesn't, it's not like he tries to reach and the suit's like, Jaime, we are not functional enough or anything like that. He just stands there and watches, mouth agape, as Susan Sarandon is dragged by the collar into the flames. And then when the place is about to blow up, then he's like, oh, I'm emoting now. Let me run away. And he runs and it gets away. Great moment. Like when he runs and escapes the explosion, that's a cool moment. But just for those five seconds in between, I would have liked to, hey, wait. Don't kill her. And then she gets killed anyway. I'm not saying we had to leave her alive because that raises a lot of questions about how his secret identity would work or whatever. Um, but if even just has something, it just felt out of place with the Jaime character we've seen. And also just with the lesson that he just learned not 30 seconds before. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's like the Batman begins thing of like, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. You kind of blew up the train, Batman, and then left him to die on it. At the very least, that's manslaughter. You still killed him. Yeah. With this, it's like, well, you didn't murder Carapax, so good on you for not murdering. But then he goes on to murder this other person right in front of you, and you're not having the same standards of, hey, let's not murder. You know what I mean? It's one thing when the family's, you know, taking the bug, which the bug looked great in this. Uh, Blue Beetle's flying bug looked fantastic. And they're stomping on the bad guys outside. They can't really control that. And they never said they had anything against killing. 
So that's fine. I don't have to question their their morals. Yeah. Plus we plus we know that the grandma is uh, ex revolutionary. So she's yeah. She's ex revolutionary. You're telling me she hadn't put someone in the ground? Those imperialist bastards. She hadn't taken them out. But I digress. But it was just odd to see Jaime be so like swayed into not murdering this guy, only then to watch him murder an old woman. Essentially, evil old woman. Not saying Victoria Gord's not evil. Not saying that it's like, oh man, she's just the sweetest old lady. But a 76-year-old woman we have established (laughs) in the course of this conversation getting dragged into flames. I just thought, it was like, that feels a bit out of place, but you know what? That's my only real nitpick with the movie. Um, Otherwise, though, we we talked about the score a little bit because I, I wanted to shout out the composer. But I really did enjoy the score for this movie. The emotional moments really hit. The lighthearted moments, you know, when you're getting that fun, like, upbeat superhero synthwave thing. Like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, this is cool. Like, yeah, it's a Blue Beetle, bro. Like, let's fucking go. They really hit. Um, But even just the, excuse me, even just the licensed songs that they have in the soundtrack, I thought were all really good. Um, It's a lot of spanish music so i you know i i took quite a few spanish classes but i retained none of it because i'm a terrible student apparently so you didn't always i didn't always understand what was what i was listening to but i'm like hey this bumps and then you get kickstart my heart and i'm like all right this also bumps and this does seem like something that ted cord would put in the bug so that's fun um so yeah stem to stern i think the music was great how do you feel about the visuals because there are some moments where i was like mm, this looks a little bit wonky but then you remember the budget was like what a hundred and less than I want to say between a hundred and 150 million. So pretty small for a quote unquote big budget superhero movie. Yeah. So when you take that in mind, I think the visuals look pretty good for, for, you know, what they were doing. Yeah. What they had to work with. Yeah. I like the, I like some of the visual, some of the visuals. Uh, well, I like a lot of them, especially when we get the armor transforming. Cause most of those look that, really good. Yeah. That looked great, especially the first transformation where it starts like bleeding out of his eyes first. Oh God, I I I, I my, it's like I was watching I watched this one with my mom because sister was out of town. Normally she wants to see the movies with me, uh, but my mom was like covering my eyes like when I was young, and I was like, <laughs> I can understand why that was visceral. But I'm glad that they it was it was a lot, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Glad that they did it. And normally, it's just like when it fuses with Jaime's spine, it's just the bug on his spine, and it's mm. used like under the and it, and it's like the only the tendrils under the skin. Nah, they made this thing like fully fused with him. Yeah, they're like this is sticking out of his back a little bit. Which also, I going back to the transformation, uh, we've talked a lot about. At least I feel like we have all fair, and I've seen people talk about it a lot on Twitter. Um, discussing like superhero suit up scenes in movies now and how like everything becoming nanotech just lame because it's just it's just like oh everyone just puts their suit on this way you know it's just like it's like all right whatever like you, you don't get the cool suit up scenes anymore and this sure is I guess would fall under the subset of nanotech but I think it really is that first the first transformation scene where it is like kind of freaky and you, he doesn't really know what's happening. I think that sets it apart. And even just the way this version of the nanotech presents itself, like it is still from a sentient like creature, you know, like it's a symbiotic thing, even if it's technology. So the way it's appearing, like bleeding out of the eyes, like burning the clothes on him. It's not just like the Iron Man suit in, you know, Infinity War and Endgame where it just spreads over his body. Like, no, like it's burning his clothes. Like there's an actual tangible uh, effect to this that I feel like you don't really get a lot in nanotech superhero suits these days. And I just thought that was really, uh, really inventive, which, you know, that's something you see in the comic too, where like he, it ends up like burning off his clothes, but it was still, it, it was a funny way to funny and interesting way to set it apart. I think in the superhero landscape. Yeah. I think, the, I think a good way, I think it was a good way of trying to keep, uh, do the nanotech, but also keep it into a, a way like it was unique to them because i feel as though with the rise of nanotech it's like some characters should not have nanotech like thor yeah. having a nanotech helmet was super dumb that's yeah that's dumb as shit it's like if you're gonna like if you're gonna have them like 
just magic on their clothes and everything. It's like, do give them something that's unique to them. And Blue Beetle definitely has something that's unique because initially you like you feel like, oh, this is going to be Venom's transformation. It's like, nope, this is actually even more different than that. So that's, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's really, really, uh, really good stuff. And also shout out to how many practical uh, effects are used in this movie. I saw the director talking about they tried to use as, obviously some things have to be visual effects because this is a movie about like alien cyborg warriors. With energy but, blasters. <laughs> with energy blasts and giant, you know, buster swords and, and you know, generating staples out of his <laughs> out of his fists. Um, but... Don't know why, but I've always loved say, those. The yeah, they're great. They're really cool. Um, he made it a point to say that like they tried to do as much practical as they could so they wouldn't overtax the VFX workers, which is something that, you know, we see a lot of these days with, you know, Hollywood and specifically super movies. So it's really cool that they, they wanted to focus on a more practical thing. And also I think it just looked better. Like if the blue beetle suit had been all VFX, we would have had another, another green lantern or flash situation. Yeah. Meanwhile, the suit we got, I think it looked fantastic like the the practical suit it it is probably one of my favorite translations we've gotten from a comic book character to a practical suit in the movie like it just looked it looked way better than i would have expected uh, even just the original set photos when they came out I'm like wow this looks like really good but seeing it in motion i'm like oh yeah no like that's that's the blue beetle Especially when you go back and watch uh, season 10 of Smallville where Blue Beetle <laughs> appears for the first time. I had totally forgot about that. <laughs> Love Smallville. One of my favorite shows of all time. But man, oh man, if it doesn't look like that, that version that Jaime Reyes is wearing a just a big plastic box. The Power, Power Ranger suits look better than that. Yeah, they, I tell you what, it, they, that was... How far we've come, you know? How far we've come with Jaime Reyes' suit. It looks great in this movie, and I I, I really enjoyed it. Now, I got I got something I want to talk to you about with this movie. It's, we don't have it written down on the on the, the the topics list, but I'm throwing you a curveball, Drew. Are you ready? Are you are you are you ready? Are you in your catcher stance? I'm ready. So. How do you want this to tie in to the future of the DCU? Because we talked, we danced around this a little bit, but would you want it to be that when Jaime appears in the DCU, they treat it sort of like the original Ang Lee Hulk compared to the Incredible Hulk, where it's like, all right, we have an idea of the Hulk. We're not seeing the origin. Is that maybe connected? Eh, who's to say? But even though we know it's not, but it's like we get the the gist, or do you want it to be like this is just essentially the Iron Man of the the DCU? Like this is just this movie is in the continuity. Well, I don't want him to be the Iron Man of the DCU because I kind of because I really want Steel because I really want him to have a. Re- oh, you know what I mean? Like in terms of kicking <laughs> off the the universe. Yeah, I want him to. Kick that being off- said, I would love Steel. Like, please, please bring Steel into. I love Mr. Terrific, but we could add Steel in Superman Legacy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's like that's that's what I, that's what I want. It's like Steel is aw- Steel is awesome. I, you can do a lot with his liquid metal armor, or just give him. Like, He's currently got a miniseries being written by Michael Dorn of Star Trek fame. So everyone, go go read Steel. Steelworks is the series. He's a truly a man of steel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, I would love I would love this to kick off the DCU because it doesn't have to. Full, it doesn't have to fully tie into the DCEU. You, like you said, it's very loosely associated. You can just bring this in, uh, like re. It's like when you put the movie out on DVD and streaming everything. Just put the DC Universe logo that you're planning on putting on in front of it. I could see this as the Iron Man move, as the Iron Man flagship and everything, and just like going forward, because this is a really good movie, and it's honestly even really good world building that. For, for just not just Blue Beetle, but for the world itself, like superheroes yeah. have existed throughout this world already. You see it; they're common topics. This is everything you wanted in the DCEU in one movie in terms of world building. 
Yeah, I mean, even we mentioned earlier, but even just with the the skyline in Palmera City, like you've got Cortec, obviously, because it's, you know, the Blue Beetle movie, but you've got a branch of the Daily Planet in the background. You've got LexCorp, you've got Ace Chemicals, like the Scarab is given to him in a box from Big Belly Burger. Like there are all these little DC Comics nods. Like, okay, yeah, like this is a DC universe. And that combined with the way they even just talk about Ted Cord, it's like this is clearly made by people who like dc comics like when they refer to all ted stuff it's like you know it's like he's batman stuff but if batman had adhd it's like yeah it feels pretty on brand for ted and and you know uncle rudy george lopez character talking about yeah like he's like batman but if batman had a sense of humor and i'm like yeah that's ted yeah yeah like, they they nailed it pretty much but anyway even though ted cord isn't really in this movie they do such a good job of presenting the t- character of ted cord where it's like oh yeah so, like, this is part of one, like, clearly they're like Blue Beetle, because I'm like, this is, like, they're, Ted's not here and they're nailing Ted. It's similar to the way, and this is maybe not a direct correlation, because the behind-the-scenes reasoning in Wakanda Forever is obviously much more real and much more tragic, but we talked about before how I felt like in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, T'Challa felt like he had more of an impact on the story than he did in the first movie where he was actually a character just because of the way they talked about him and the way they presented his, his memory and the way that entity shaped the story just felt really real. This felt similar to me in the way they're presenting Ted Cord of like, Oh no, Ted is still a big part of this. Like he is a big part of blue beetle legacy, even if he's not directly in the movie and the way they even just talked about the character, even by introducing characters who aren't in the comics victoria cord and jenny cord are not in the comics but the way that they talk about their relationships with ted in this movie it's like no but that would like that would track for what we know about ted from the last you know however many decades of him as a comic book character it's like these are relationships that you buy if you're a comic book fan she's like yeah no the way they're talking about ted that's what Ted's like. And for people who have no relationship to Blue Beetle, I would imagine that it's like, okay, so we've seen how they interact with him. We've got a gist of what this Ted Cord guy was about. I just think they did a really good job of presenting that sort of, you know, Blue Beetle legacy. Yeah. I do also like how the, um, it's not just Ted's legacy, but all of Cord Industries' legacy that affects mm-hmm. everything. It's like Victoria's like, oh, everything when to ted everything and i'm pretty sure that everything went to ted because he was the older brother in the comics but changing it to be like oh it's a little well, she didn't does she even exist in the comics and she's or new she... 52 oh, okay yeah and uh be completely honest i all i almost always forget she's around also i was like, i couldn't even told you she was a uh a thing which in this there's yeah. no way he got the company because he was the older sibling because again Susan Sarandon, 76 years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, agree. And the director said yeah. Jason Sudeikis was who he wanted to play the character. You see a painting, an abstract painting of Ted Cord in this movie. And I was in the movie theater. I was like, what fucking Jason Sudeikis? Like, did they just get someone <laughs> who looks like Jason Sudeikis to be the stand-in for this fucking painting? Uh, <laughs> I will say, though, Victoria did only appear this year. So she might have been. Okay, we'll see. There you go. Yeah, so it. She might have been created for the movie and then just and then acclimated to the comics her earlier. Later. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, like, I'm and, not and sure. they do they do make a comic where it's like their dad ended up giving Ted the company just because he was the guy or whatever, and it's like yeah, that's sexist. But yeah. then also like sexism, not okay. But also Victoria Cord wanted to be a war profiteer, and the dad <laughs> and seems was like, like didn't want to. Hey, be like- let's not make weapons and you know what i'm just saying in this instance maybe the dad made dad made the right call for the wrong reasons that's all i'll say well it's also hinted that that um that i forgot his name but grandfather cord didn't want to make weapons anymore either so him going to ted could also be like they had similar interests so maybe maybe all i know is ted cord not a war criminal you know, true that. That's what that's that's what I'll say. That's what I'll say yeah. about my boy Teddy. Also, Victoria, Victoria went to uh, another uh, went to a warring country just to pick up immigrants. She did. Also, she's pretty racist in this movie. Very much. She's not even really committing microaggressions; it's just macroaggressions. Like, okay, that's yeah, that's 
it's enough that it's like, okay, like if someone said that to me and Ruff, like, all right, that's, that's, that's not cool. Like what, what the fuck is your problem, lady? Like that's you, this is 2023. You can't don't fight words. Yeah. It's like, you, you, you want beef? Like let's, let's fucking go. Um, you know, you know what care packs take her to the fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, nah, it, it's nah, like, let's... instead of, instead of Jaime just standing there, it's like care packs looks back yeah, at him. And it's like, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know what care packs do what you got to do chief. No, I, I, I can't double down on, I can double down on a lot of jokes. I'm not going to double down on a joke about, uh, her death. Cause like I said, it felt weirdly out of place in this movie. It did. Um, one other thing, uh, I first of all I agree I want this to be like essentially the Iron Man of the DCU like we'll just kick it off from here like let's go like we said all the references they make are just very general like they just say hey Superman Flash whatever like it could be anybody I I don't know if I would say I was all the way disappointed you know what? no I was a little bit disappointed but this is through no fault of the movie because uh, I've noticed in general when people complain about movies these days Oftentimes, it seems like the complaints they're making are less of the structure and form and presentation of the movie itself and more complaining that the movie wasn't the movie that they wanted in their head. So I'm making this this complaint aware that it's like, well, that's not the movie solved. That's just something I wanted. Would have liked a, a Booster Gold reference, you know? Just something, maybe a little tease at the end, because you know maybe, the Blue Beetle legacy and Booster Gold, like they're just they're right there together. Okay, you know? okay, okay. I would have liked to because I gotta, reference. yeah, I gotta, I gotta talk about that because um, Blue Beetle having holographic, uh, holographic weapons was a little That's like future looking stuff. Yeah, some future looking stuff. I was like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Like, ba- maybe he got that from Blue Beetle. Maybe you got that for Booster Gold. I'm saying he's been he's been disappeared. Is he lost in the time stream with his good buddy Michael John Carter? You know, I hope so. We're getting a, a Booster Gold show. Maybe that's what the, the fucking vibes are going to be. Who's to say? I don't know. But I I would I would like to I would like to see it personally. And you know, if they do get Jason Sudeikis as uh, as as Ted Cord, originally Glenn Powell was my pick for. Uh, for Booster Gold, but he might be a bit young to pair with uh, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, well, it could be. not that Jason Sudeikis is old, but he's just. It could a be bit that twenty-fifth century technology just keeping him nice and young. That would be a great explanation. It'd be very funny, and you know, in in line with the Booster Gold character. But also, especially after watching the Barbie movie and just my general love for Ryan Gosling, if they wanted to get Ryan Gosling as Booster Gold, wouldn't complain would not complain um but yeah so drew before we wrap this up what are some of your uh favorite moments what are your favorite moments from this movie uh the first Jaime suit up scene that was horrific yet also very much something i would want to see again yeah very cool yeah it's just it's very cool very cool i agree then uh i'm only gonna do three because i don't want to take up too much time uh then we have Honestly, Omax suit up seed is pretty cool as well. Like it's less cool. hor- it's less horrifying, but it like you feel it for this person who's been depicted as just this war mo- this not warmonger, just this like ultimate like warrior and everything, and he was mm-hmm. able to keep up with Jaime with his incomplete tech, it's like, okay, this is looking cool. We're this is a guy to be afraid of. And the final one I would have is just them in Ted's lab. Like throughout it it's like they're it's like we have the we have the um the government skeptic being geeking out over his childhood hero. We have uh Jaime being a maze of Blue Beetle legacy and we have crap, what's her name? It's like I can't it's like I almost, Jenny. Jenny. We have Jenny and we have Jenny. It's like she has just this look of reserve where it's like she's proud of her dad, but she's also mad that that life he lived made him leave. Mm. Not again, not really against his will. She she realizes it's like it's not his, it wasn't his choice. But at the same time, it's like I wish you didn't live this life because I lost you from it. Yeah, it's, it's like it's just it's so good. And that scene alone showed me like showed me like a good amount of the acting on 
uh, display with everything. It's like we're it's like instead of like all the happy and everything, you just got everything through face. Most of the, yeah, there's, there's a range. There's yeah. a range of dynamics here. Yeah, the dynamics are, the dynamics are awesome, and I just ooh, oh, I can't. I really hope this gets a blue beetle too. Yeah, that's good stuff. I definitely want just backtracking a little bit to how we wanted in the DCU. Like, I hope this does get direct sequels. I don't want like a soft reboot. I want the, the, and I think the director said as much like the family will be carrying over and whatnot. So I'd like to see this storyline continue. I'd like to see the Ted Cord tease at the end continue. They could easily tie that into the booster gold HBO show. So that'd be really cool. Um, as for my, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And since peacemaker is technically making the jump, uh, Jaime and Peacemaker have fought before, so that would be and a They cool fought, thing. well, and, and, I mean, Peacemaker was kind of his mentor for a little while in the original Blue Beetle Jaime series, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing that dynamic. Um, but yeah, as for my favorite moments, um, I agree the suit-up scene's great. I think I would say the definitely the lab sequence where you first get introduced, because I think that's one of the moments where you're like, oh yeah, like this is this, the blue beetle is a legacy. Like even though they're united by very different things. And I think that's something that's so inherent to DC and booster or not booster. Um, beetle is one of the best characters that exemplifies that, you know, with Dan Garrett in the golden age, then Ted in the, the bronze age and Jaime in the, the modern age. Like, it's just, I, I really like that lineage. And I think that scene, like you said, does a great job of showing that. Um, any scene, uh, this is a cop out, but any scene with the whole family, it's always either like, it's making me, they're making me laugh or it's like, got me damn near tears. So just anytime the family's all together doing something, I'm a yeah. big fan. It's um, really good. It's, it's a really great family dynamic. And I know we keep harping on that, but it's, like this is it's it's one of the best family dynamics I've seen in a comic book movie in a while. Um, also, favorite moment when Jaime starts like being like, yeah, like I am the Blue Beetle in the final fight, and you know he he forms the blades and he forms the Buster Sword. And, you know that little kick you see in the trailer, like it still it hits even harder in the movie. Like it is really cool. So I enjoy that aspect of the third act. And then you know he gets the face broken, the face mask broken. He has the moments like, am I gonna kill him? I. People complain about the third act. I think it's one of my favorite bits of the movie. But, you know, that's that's just me. Yeah, I like it a lot too. Like I I just don't get how you can see how you can see Jaime like not only getting the motivation he needs to become the Blue Beetle, but also like just him being a creative and combining his powers already. Mm-hmm. Like this or er- like this early in his career, it's like that's really cool, and it honestly makes sense yeah. for someone who's been a- who's been in a world of superheroes. And everything it's like his Buster Sword been in combined- a world of superheroes. He's clearly like you look at the posters in his room and the things he talks about. Like he's a Mortal Kombat fan. He makes a Scorpion reference. You know, like he yells like "Get over here" to a guy. Like he's does a Dragon Ball reference when he's yelling "Kajidai," like to do the blast. Like he clearly is a fan of you know superheroes and also just like nerd culture media in general. He would go to Comic-Con in his battle suit just to have fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, so final thoughts. Good movie. Good I movie. Think we, can, we can both agree. Good movie. Hope we get to see more. People should go see it. It's good. It's a it's a, it's a fun time. Uh, you won't regret it. Um, so yeah, now that we've wrapped talking about Blue Beetle. Great movie, everyone. Great movie. Best movie. Best DC movie of the year, I would argue, personally. Um... So far, I don't know who knows. Maybe Aquaman 2 will blow us out of the water. Pun intended. Drew, why don't you tell the fine folks who are listening what you're working on and where you can be found? Well, you can find me on the socials. I am Drew Garrison underscore. I am on Instagram. I am on Twitter. And I am on threads now. Oh, he's on threads. Big man. Big threads man. (laughs) Well, you know. Sewing up a storm. All, all, these all these threads all these threads it's ju- it's just twitter like literally it's yes, yeah it's the exact same the interface is the exact same i tell you what i need to get off twitter but i'm gonna be i'm i'm like the the band going down with the titanic i'm until that thing sinks into the ground i'm so terminally online that now, once Twitter dies, will I hop onto Threads or Blue Sky or Mastodon, whatever? I don't know. Probably not. There's too many for me. I can't. There's too, yeah, there's too many. 
Um, so maybe when it dies, I'll finally know peace. Um, but until then, yeah, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't follow you on this thread's journey yet. Yeah, that, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, the, yeah, you can find me on there. Upload, I'm, uh, doing some posts. Not gonna say how often because life is a highway and you want to ride it all night long. <laughs> you know what? Thanks, Tristan. Or life comes at you, or life comes at you fast. Whichever one you want to go, go with. Yeah, uh, life, life, life is like a uh, blue beetle scarab. It comes at you, puts you in a lot of pain, but you have to work through it and like find yourself. And then you can shoot staples at people. Uh, that would be the first thing I do if I got a blue beetle armor. I would just be uh, shooting just staples, be, just eating staples left and right. Yeah. Just ting, 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 ting. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. By the by the way, apparently like the Blue Beetle Scarab was apparently what it, what inspired Venom's glow up during the uh during uh, um what what's it called? Uh, King in Black the event. The King in Black event. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Look at that. Look at that. Blue Beetle is making an impact. You love to see it. Well, when you're done following Drew on threads, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and yes, like I said, still Twitter, unfortunately, at Back Issue Bins. And when you're done following us, you can also go take a gander at uh, my work over on Screen Rant because I get paid per view. And links to all of our socials and whatnot will be in the uh, our link trees in the description of this episode. And you know what else is in the description of this episode? Links to the Patreon and the Discord for the Nerd Stash Network. That's right. We've got a Patreon, guys. No content is being hid behind the paywall. We would just really appreciate, you know, if you could kick us over a, a few bucks. You know, we work hard to put out this content, and we just want to make sure that we're, you know, not not uh, just talking into the ether, I guess. Which, realistically, even if we are, I'm still we're still going to do that, because... You know, we're nerds and we just like entertaining folks, even if it's just ourselves. But you go over to the Patreon, you can get all sorts of backstage goodies and whatnot. Maybe you get to help us pick what we're going to talk about on an episode, you know, things like that. You see good behind the scenes stuff. Then in our Discord, you can hop in, have conversations with all sorts of nerds about all sorts of nerdy things. You know, we're talking movies, video games, comics, even just memes. We got just a meme channel. So pop in. You know, drop in a meme as long as it's not horribly offensive, because that will get you banned. And when you're done following us on all these links, why don't you consider leaving us a rating? Or even doing doing that before, while you're just on the app. I'm not going to tell you the order to do it in. Leave us a rating on whatever podcast service you're listening to us on. We'd really appreciate something positive. If it's negative, I won't pay attention to it, because like my therapist says, I don't need that negativity in my life. Next week on Nerds Talk Movies, we're doing something a little different. Okay, instead of a retrospective or a spoiler talk, we're going to have a big old conversation about the MCU. All right, we're going to have a, we're going to have a talk. We're going to have we're going to pontificate, all right? And we're going to sit down, and we're going to ask the question. With all these big fat L's that the the Marvel universe have been taking over the last few years, should they consider a major reboot? Now, Taylor wrote the script. Did Taylor describe it that way? No, but because I like to be a hater, I'd change the few misses to big fat L's because, you know, it's funny for me. Uh, but Just a so, so yeah, you were inviting other people to talk about the DCEU's big fat L's. Yeah, well, guess what? They have plenty. So if we want to have that conversation, we can go tit for tat. All right. No one knows their L's greater than I do. No one has suffered more for their L's than I have. All right. So don't even I got a Green Lantern tattoo. Don't you fucking come talk to me about dc movie l's all right because i'm well aware and i am i am fighting on the front lines of that war gosh darn it that being said i'm sure we'll have all sorts of fun talks about what marvel's got going on and where they're going in the future but we will save that for next week see y'all cool cats on the flip-flop i don't know i didn't like how that's see you guys later be nice to each other all right